Nick Carraway, a newcomer to Long Island, moves into a cottage next to the brilliant mansion of self-made millionaire Jay Gatsby. After witnessing many late-night parties at his mysterious neighbor's house, Nick is finally invited to attend one of these legendary all-night celebrations, where decadence is in great supply. When Gatsby begins a passionate pursuit of Daisy Buchanan, Nick is drawn into their world of obsession, greed, and danger. My name is Bakari Levy, and this is the Trustus Podcast. The Great Gatsby is directed by Chad Henderson with musical direction from Mark Rapp and choreography from Stephanie Wilkins. It runs from April 5th through April 27th at the Thick Pin Main Stage at Trustus Theater. Hey, Brad, we're back and actually recording this time. Yes, we are. <laughs> we're doing the podcast again. We're here in the bar at Trustus, preparing for the opening of The Great Gatsby. Yes, we are. And actually, uh, just two weeks ago, we had a great uh, big party at the Siebel's house on Richland Street in downtown Columbia and celebrated uh, 1920s Gatsby style with uh, a couple hundred of our, of our closest friends Your here in Columbia. flappers. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great, great turnout, great party, and we're looking forward to all those people and many more coming to see the actual show, The Great Gatsby, here at Trustus Theater. Yeah, I actually saw it yesterday evening for company night, and I was uh, blown away. I will say it's, it's literally awesome, like awe-inspiring. You know, it really is. Uh, Chad Henderson, our artistic director, has really given it kind of a new take, a modern take, uh, with his style, uh, and I think people are going to come, and if they're expecting to see sort of an older, stodgier style of mm. a show, they're not going to see that. Right. It's going to be much more modern and hip with some great, cool music featuring oh, yeah. Mark Rapp, um, and then there's five dancers from the Columbia City Ballet, uh, So and some amazing choreography and amazing soloists, uh, Katie yeah, Leitner is singing a solo, and Brandon Chin, and uh, Brittany Hammock. Brittany Hammock. So it's really, really a terrific show that is, it's a lot more along the lines of what we do when we do a musical, yeah. with not quite as many musical numbers. Right. But the music informs the piece, it really, and in that way it does work the way that musicals do, where the... The action is informed by the, um, by the you know the musical numbers, um, and it's just I, there's something the design is is really spectacular in my opinion. It's I I couldn't agree with you more, and it's a very simple stage design when you see it, but and I don't want to give it away, I don't want to spoil it, but when you when you <laughs> come and see it, you are going to be transformed to the 1920s, yeah, and to Gatsby's house and to, you know. West Egg and all the places that that uh, the West Egg, up. East Egg, and Queens. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and, and Queens, which gets a bad, bad rap in the, in the show. Yeah, well, I did not like Queens. Um, <laughs> so Queen, I, we, we love Queens today. Queens is wonderful. So if we have Queens fans and friends in Queens, <laughs> Queens, we love you all. Queens is great. I'm a fan of Queens. Um, okay, so I did a few interviews. For this episode, I interviewed uh, our artistic director and director of the show, Chad Henderson, again. Um, and then I also spoke with um, Mark Rapp, the oh, musical great. director. 
and um, I'm a huge Mark Rapp fan, and you'll his love music, his interview. Then he, I mean, he created this music from scratch, yeah. essentially for this show. And he did, so, he did arranging. He arranged some popular modern day songs in a 20s jazz style, and then he also uh, wrote original scoring. And it's really, it's great. I, yeah. I saw it on Monday night, which was a, you know, a dress dress mm. rehearsal, you know, an early dress rehearsal to take some photographs. Um, and then I'm going to be there tonight doing some video. We actually have, tonight we have um, kind of a preview show going on with members of our sponsoring organization, Intramed Plus. Oh, yeah. Uh, which we're really excited about. Uh, they have supported this show uh, tremendously well, and we're really, really thrilled to have them. And uh, so they're going to be partying tonight That's with awesome us for the, uh, the preview tonight. night, and then we of course open tomorrow night, Friday night, at uh, at eight o'clock. So and when do we? How long do we run? You know, I'll get. I tell you what, we're going to hold off on telling you how long we run after this interview. Oh, with Chad. I see what you did there. So stay tuned. And we'll give you that information after you hear this interview. <laughs> um, so here's my interview with the uh, artistic director and director of The Great Gatsby, Chad Henderson. For those who know me, they know I'm a big uh, Ernest Hemingway fan. So I went on a very uh, um, selfish journey to try to find <laughs> a adaptation of uh, one of his literary works uh, to maybe think about directing, um, okay. whether it was here or somewhere else. But uh, um, only all I really found was his actual play, The Fifth Column, and I'm not really sure uh, how well that play would, you know, be, I don't even know if it'd be meaningful right now. <laughs> you know, it's, um, okay. um, so I, I kept looking and uh, started to find these adaptations of Fitzgerald's work. Who I, you know, also enjoy. I have found my own enjoyment with Fitzgerald because I, like most uh, kids in the South Carolina school system, was forced to read The Great Gatsby in high school and yeah. tenth grade when I hadn't lived any life or had any really meaningful relationships. Or it uh, still works then. I think it, it was well, one of the only books that I was required <laughs> to read that I felt a real connection to at the time. Well, I guess that. Well, that's what's cool is I found my connection to it later. Um, so when I was approaching it, I, I, I looked at it and I was like wondering, what could we do that would make it, um, well, well, what could I do to make it really interesting to me? I mean, I think a lot of times I selfishly do that as a director. I direct plays that, the, I, I direct plays I want to see, but I direct plays the way I would like to see them. Um, <laughs> I think that's a part and, of being a director now. Yeah, and I'm, I guess I'm lucky enough, I, you know, I'm lucky enough to be in a position where if I'm thinking of a particular piece I want to, or story I want to tell, if it's you know in line with our mission here at Trust Us, I'm in a position to program it, which <laughs> is a benefit a lot of directors don't get. So I'm acknowledging that. When I when I think of The Great Gatsby, I I instantly think about the party scenes, and I think about the film adaptations that have been made, um, and. I kept wondering how are we going to bring that sort of spirit into the building um, when the when generally you're, you're working with a cast of nine to eleven uh, on this play. Okay. So that's kind of where um, the conversation started happening with uh, dance companies in town and um, as well as uh, Mark Rap. You know, uh, he and I have had um, working relationships in the past, collaborative relationships in the past, and so. Uh, Pretty much, uh, we just kind of started sharing ideas, and then uh, 
Columbia City Ballet decided to partner with us, and uh, we're working with four of their dancers. And uh, Mark is going to be composing an original score, as as well as um, uh, accepting the director Chad forcing some tunes on the show that he wanted to have. So I think what's going to be uh, you know really exciting for audiences about this show is that it it is a uh, it is a play that's been almost made into the style of a musical because um, there are some songs that our actors will be singing in the show. Okay. Uh, they more capture, you know, musical theater usually captures, um, the, the songs tell the story and move right. the plot along. In this case, these that's very much like uh, um, the mood of the moment is encapsulated in uh, these tunes. So, okay. um, so we're trying to do a big production with a lot of moving parts and a lot of organizations that people are familiar with, and also with a play that I think a lot of people are going to come in with expectations. And hopefully we will meet many of those as well as throw them a few surprises, kind of like Santa Claus asked you as a kid at Christmas, you know, lots and lots of surprises. The grandeur is something we definitely want to achieve, and we're trying to do that in what I think are really simple ways, especially in the design of the show. I mean, um, it's a very media-heavy show in that there is a digital screen. Um, folks who saw a Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime might think it's similar to that and that there's a central screen with information, but it's... It's a lot less about one character's perspective. It's, right. it's sort of giving us time and place. But I think I think what is nice about having um, a jazz band on stage during it and providing underscore is that, yes, it is incredibly cinematic, but I think that's really effective when you're telling a love story like this that people have had so many other connections to. So I think it's a nice way to, to kind of transport you somewhere else for a, a, a while right um and in this this case you know it's coming from a place so you may have read this book for the first time in, in you know high school you may have read it for the first time after you saw one of the movies you may have just enjoyed 20th century literature and read it on your own but uh We're never a right. lot of people know this story i mean right. they see a yellow you know car and they have a remembrance of it or um, just a tuxedo with a martini makes you think of it sometimes, you know. So um, uh, I always think green light and the green light. Yes, of course. That's and, like my um, first jump. And that's like kind of all that symbolism is, uh, you know, I think what we attach to and what we learn about when we learn about it. So it's a matter of also trying to keep that uh, symbolism in the play as well. I am uh, really excited about the show and I feel like um as I've been talking about throughout the year that a lot of people have been sharing excitement in Columbia about it. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm really excited that I think we've got a really great cast. Um, we have five really phenomenal dancers from Columbia city ballet. I mean, both two of their, uh, principals are part of that cast and, uh, Mark rap always brings a really top notch group together. Um, and, and basically, you know, with us running the show for a month, uh, you know, Mark, Mark, um, I'm sure he'll go and gig out as much as he can, but I mean, from from eight to ten thirty every night, he's going to be here with you know four of his um, favorite top players. You know, so yeah. uh, I just think it's really cool that the community's uh, come together around this. I mean, like I love it the really is beyond. Yeah, it's beyond. It's beyond what we generally do at Trust Us. Only in the fact that we usually produce everything. In, in house, and it's our people mixed. With, well, I, that I'd sounds like a that closed ago, door policy, but we don't. Well, have about a, a year ago, policy. we talked about wanting to do these sorts of things more. We talked about wanting to integrate with the community more, and I like that we're we're making quick strides to that. Right, and this is, I guess, for me, this is one of those examples of um, 
I mean, Trussles is a pretty popular theater in Columbia. The Columbia City Ballet is incredibly popular dance organization in town. Right. And, you know, uh, Cola Jazz is, um, I think you see them everywhere in, in a lot of education opportunities and a lot of, uh, you know, public opportunities to engage with jazz. So it's cool that these three things are coming together to tell a story that um, a lot of people know. And I think they'll get it in a, I think they'll get it in a new way in a lot of ways. Um, and, and of course, you know, hopefully we'll satisfy all the things that people needs must have out of the great Gatsby. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Bakari. And we're back. Uh, that was a great interview. Uh, Bakari with Chad Henderson, our artistic director, and uh, really, really informative. Oh, yeah. And by the way, just because I teased this before oh, yeah. the interview, this show runs until April 27th. So there's plenty of time to see it, but it's going to sell out really, really Yeah, quick. it's already selling out. Uh, <laughs> it's already selling out, and it hasn't opened yet um, by the time of this recording. Uh, so the next interview I did actually was with uh, Brittany Hammock, who plays Jordan Baker in the show, and uh, Jason Stokes, who plays the great Gatsby himself. Well, and those are two great actors. You know, Brittany joined us uh, kind of in the beginning of last year, well, towards the end of the year before with Rock of Ages. Yeah. And then she she really, you know, kind of made her stage presence felt when we did uh, Evil Dead, the musical. She was terrific in that. Oh, yeah. She was in Constance. Constance. She was wonderful. So she's doing a great job in this. Uh, she plays Jordan, uh, which is a... She's in, a golfer. Yes, yes. You know, who, you know who else was in Rock of Ages? I, Jason Stokes Jason. <laughs> was also in Rock of Ages, which uh, you actually get to see Jason this time with his regular hair as opposed to the wow. long rocker hair that he he's had. He's doing... Uh, he does some really, really interesting work on stage as Gatsby. I like it. I like his performance a lot. Yeah, I do too. He's Jason's terrific. He's an excellent actor, and he really personifies Jay Gatsby extremely well in this show. Yeah, hearing his interview will open you up a lot. As so, since you've seen at least the dress rehearsal, like he, it, it's clear. Like he's he's got this really, really well thought out um, process of working on it and it's really cool well and that's so great for our audience and our fans to hear because you know you come to a show and you see the play and you experience what these actors do and you walk away going that was great right but you don't always know what's gone into you know creating these characters and and the set and the design and and the motivation behind the actors. So this is really informative yeah. for everybody to hear this. And speak, I mean, Brittany Hammock also, by the way, kind of stole the show, in my opinion. She's amazing. <laughs> she's killing it in the show. Like, Yeah, she's got a couple of really terrific solos. And she embodies that character to a T. It's really, really impressive to watch. I totally agree. So here's uh, Brittany Hammock and Jason Stokes. All right, I'm here with Jason Stokes and Brittany Hammock, who play Jay Gatsby and Jordan Baker, respectively. Correct? Yes, sir. How are you guys doing? Good. So far, so good about you? I'm pretty great. It's been a while. It's been a while, Bakari. (laughs) It's been a while. Um, Okay, so question A. Can you guys give me a little bit of backstory on your characters for for the uninitiated? Ladies first. Oh, gosh. Really? Are I'm you going to do I'm, that to me? Well, because, you know, Gatsby's that kind of dude. Oh, geez, Louise. Okay, fine. 
see how this goes. Jeez and crow. <laughs> um, so yeah, like you said, I play Jordan Baker, and she is the childhood friend of Daisy Buchanan. Um, she is a fixture in her life and has been for a very long time. And she is also known to be a very famous golfer at the time. Um, what else should I say about her? I don't know. You're the She's a little yeah. mischievous, isn't she? She is very She's mischievous. Little, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for helping me with my character analysis, Jason. That's, that's what I'm here for. Um, yeah, <laughs> she's she's an independent gal. She's an independent woman. Um, she's very much kind of the representation of the new and upcoming modern woman. She's young, but she doesn't have a man in her life. She just kind of enjoys enjoys the fun of society and all it has to offer and and then kind of Hangs out with Daisy and, and, and Tom and all of that. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the Sparknotes version of Jordan Buchanan, just so you know. <laughs> and Mr. Oh, Gatz. It, it's a jumping off point. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think one of the, the fun pieces about doing this character specifically is that um, while there is a backstory there, part of the reason and part of the draw is um, for the audience and for the characters that are, are on this little roller coaster ride for... Um, the 1920s, is figuring out what is the fact versus the fiction of Jay Gatsby because Mm. um, I think there is a lot of truth in all of the stories that float around about him. I I mean, I I think it's very set that that he was in the war, that he is a veteran, that he did go overseas. But then everything else from uh, the time before to the time after the war is just kind of clouded in this uh, mist of, of mystery and intrigue. And I think that's what really draws people to the story is not only the love story aspect between Gatsby and Daisy, but trying to figure out exactly who this guy is and, and what makes him tick because his backstory is so convoluted. And even when, um, in, in towards the end of the show, actually, where I tell uh, the character Nick exactly what my quote-unquote true background is, I'm still kind of thinking there's a lot of uh, fibbing in that. There's a lot of uh, manufactured facts just to fill in holes because when you have somebody who is so used to creating what his persona and his life is to be perceived and uh, what his life was before you see him, I think um, um, it's just a second nature. It's a knee-jerk reaction to go, okay, I'll give you a little bit of this, but I'm not going to give you the whole thing. So. Do you think Jay Gatsby judges Tom Buchanan on his second life due to the fact that he has the second life himself? I don't know necessarily that he judges him. I think that um, he is envious of him. And I think that uh, one of the, the thoughts that's kind of permeated uh, as I've been working on the piece since I got cast was there's a great, uh, um, I guess, not tagline, but it's, it's, it's the theme uh, that somebody said of Othello once. They said that at the heart of that story is jealousy destroys itself and that which it loves. And I think that that's Gatsby's problem. If he had come back and Daisy was just with anybody else other than um, if she were not married, it could be Tom, it could be anybody. Uh, I don't know that this is necessarily uh, a judgment aspect. It's just he can't get past this one aspect that is, she is with this one person. Um, I mean, it's, it's certainly a novel I have been aware of. However, it's not, um, I know it's been in Chad's past a lot longer than it has been in mine. But I, 
I actually had never read it. It wasn't something that I was forced to read in high school. I was saying some people haven't read it. It's an assumption that everyone has. Um, I had obviously seen the Baz Luhrmann film like back when it came out in what, 2003? That wasn't that long ago. No, No, that was maybe four or five years ago. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. Was it really only four? Okay, well, scratch that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I I mean, I'd seen that and I I, prior prior to that was familiar with the overall storyline. But I have read it since um, getting cast in this. And um, yeah, so that's kind of my relationship to it. And, and yeah, it's not that interesting. <laughs> I had to read it. I had to my read relationship. It. I mean, not the book. Well, <laughs> maybe a little of both. That's, 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 that's part two. Uh, no, I mean, I, I had to read it in junior high in the ninth grade. And then I had to read it again in the 11th grade. So that's my junior year. So I had to read it twice. And um, watch the 74 uh, Redford Mia Farrow movie, which is beautiful to look at, but a, a snore to watch. Mm-hmm. It's just so boring. But um, once I got cast in this, I went back and, and read the book again. And the thing that just kind of uh, made me laugh at myself was um, the great American novel is 155 pages or 200 pages, depending on the print size. And I bitched about having to read this in high not It's not even 200 pages. And the great American novel is not even 200 pages. I'm like, how is this possible? I know, right? Um, but, you know, you get into the, the, the real thing about it, I think, that you can get out of it, of reading the book that will help with the play, is just getting into the colloquial nature of the speech pattern and the verbiage that she mm-hmm. used. Because there is some really wonderful dialogue and some wonderful descriptions. Uh, uh, Jared, who plays Nick, gets a lot of that for the narration uh, that comes directly from the book. So that's, that's probably the best thing about the, the, um, the transition from the novel to the play is the uh, playwright did a very good job of keeping a lot of that beautiful um, imagery language in with Nick's dialogue. Um, I mean, I think that you can't look at it as an American classic. I think as an actor, you just have to approach it as another great character that you get to uh, spend some time with. You get to try to strip him down to the bone and figure out what you have in common with them, what you don't have in common with them. Because if you start focusing on the fact that it's a great piece of American literature, then it can get very easily uh, lost down the rabbit hole of trying to make something more than it should be because I think the more realistic you can make it and the more you can uh, drive the tragic aspect of what we're building to with the story and just keep it more real I think that that it's the most interesting way to go about it yeah I know I remember from our read through Chad pointed out like these people are real (laughs) they are not caricatures (laughs) Um, so yeah that's a really good point is that is just fleshing them out appropriately and not feeling like they are they're stereotypes of the time. They are real people who had real experiences at that time and were shaped by what was going on in society and and but, I mean, the, you can't, the wealth and everything. So, and I, I can't speak for you, but I mean, you can't put them on a pedestal because right. then you're never going to be able to reach it. Exactly. So you have to. Yeah, and oh my God, that's so true. Like everyone in this show is so inherently flawed. Every single character, and they're so complex. Um, so, so yeah, you you can't put them up and hold them in this lofty position because they, they all are. How do you react and relate to those flaws as characters? Hmm. For for me, for Jay, I think it's a very uh, common thing that everybody has either um, 
been in a relationship that ended when they didn't want it to, or they have always had this ideology of the perfect person. And despite that person's flaws, they still see through it. And they say, no, I know this is the real person that I'm in love with. And I think that's a very common theme, especially uh, in our society, and especially when this, this book was written, that um, the flaw for Jay is that he, he will look at the world through blinders because all he's thinking about is this one woman that he has been in love with since he met her, since really, I think, even before they met, he was in love with her. Does he consider his own internal flaws? No, because I don't think he, he thinks that with her, he doesn't have any flaws. Especially the only flaw that he might have had was um, before he got his money. Because, uh, again, that's one of the tragic aspects of the novel, I think, is that um, Jay Gadsby, when they first meet, is somebody that she's in love with, but I don't think would spend her life with if he doesn't come back five years later with all the money, with all the pomp and the circumstance to say, hey, you know what you really wanted? I got that now. And I'm also me. So I, in, in my mind, I don't think, I don't think Jay looks at his flaws, and I think he believes all of his flaws are cured just by her being in his life. What we're doing with the show is going to be really unique, um, especially Chad's, Chad's putting his own spin on it, as he always does with every one of his shows. But that's a compliment. <laughs> um, and I think visually it's going to be really stunning. Um, and like I said, we're we're having Mark Rapp and and the band on stage and in uh, the Columbia City Ballet and the Columbia, dancers Columbia as well. Ballet, yeah. And it's just kind of I think it's it's just a really smart collaboration that we're doing with them to help just create this world. And yeah, I think the casting's really fantastic. So I I hope we I think we're gonna do it justice. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I mean, I think it's the mesh of all of that of yeah. of the the live music and the party atmosphere aspect. So that you know they always talk about the novel and they they talk about how it captures the Roaring Twenties and the free will nature of the party atmosphere. If you were fortunate enough to be in that circuit, right? And yeah. so by adding the music, by adding uh, live vocalists like uh, uh, Brittany and Katie Lightner who plays uh, Daisy, and um, um, the live band and the dancers. I mean, it just, it really, it really will amp up the, the story and the feeling that I think we're going for. And we're back. And again, another set of great interviews with Jason Stokes and Brittany Hammock. And uh, we're moving on now to talk to the music director of this show and the band leader, Mark Rapp. Yeah, we actually, Mark and I actually spoke a little bit about Jingle Bell Jazz, but I think it got cut out of the episode for time. But that was something else that I, I think I just wanted to talk to him about that for my own personal enjoyment. <laughs> well, and for those of you who don't know, we do Jingle Bell Jazz every, you know, every Christmas season with Mark and his band. And, and that's always a lot of fun. That it's sells killer. out big time each year. Yeah, and I love the show. Like, I'm just thoroughly impressed by the, uh, I like live shows. Like, as, uh, I know that sounds silly. I mean, we're talking about, we, we do theater all the time. But I like I, I want to get back to like almost like variety shows on occasion. Like the idea of them is very, very, uh, very cool to me. Well, and I think you're right. I think people really love that because I mean we sell that out, and uh, ev everybody loves that, and they love our ca our cabaret that we do in February every every year, which is kind of a, like a, a variety well, yeah. type of a show. And of course, of course, we have our mothers, yeah, uh, comedy troupe, which I mean they do a lot of kind of They're SNL kind of Thursday today. Right, right, exactly. So, I mean, people like that. There's always something different for everybody. So, yeah. 
Um, and you know, Mark's well known in town. A gigging musician. He's a uh, he's a gigging musician, always teaching, always arranging, yeah, always man. performing, and we're really thrilled that he's helping us out with this show because really and his music is killer in it. Um, actually, we may have a little sneak peek. Uh, wow, I can't talk. A little sneak peek of um, a snippet of um, some of the score a little bit later. Uh, probably at the end of the episode. Oh, that sounds great. So we'll uh, listen to that interview now with Bakari Levy and Mark Rapp. Uh, well, you know, honestly, I, I, I discovered jazz kind of late in the game. Um, you know, I grew up in Florence, South Carolina, and you know, grew up to top 40 on the radio. And, um, and it wasn't until actually after high school I mean that's that's kind of late for a jazzer, but after high school, <laughs> I was introduced to, you know, Miles Davis and right. John Coltrane and Louis Armstrong, and uh, and went to Marsalis and you know, all those guys, and you know, I just I, it blew me away. You know, so high school, you know, I did marching band and concert band, right? Uh, but I do remember, you know, we we did have a jazz band in high school, but my association with with that was just that, man, that's a cool band, you know, they play, you know, cool rhythms. But I didn't really like understand, man, they're playing okay. jazz, you know. So it wasn't until after high school that a buddy of mine sat me down and goes, you know, listen to Miles Davis, and I checked him out. I said, oh my god, you know, that's, and I fell in love with the music, so I went after it. That's awesome. I, honestly, I've had very minimal uh, experience, although, I, you know, I've done a lot of composing, a lot of arranging. Um, you know, I've, I've been a band leader from the get go. Um, you know, so having that leadership position is, you know, kind of what I thrive on. Yeah. Um, and recently I had a really amazing opportunity to be musical director for Columbia City Ballet's uh, The Beatle Ballet, The Beatles Ballet. Oh, okay. Which was pretty freaking amazing, um, you know, That's putting awesome. together a band that can, you know, actually handle playing that Beatles music, right. right? And then playing some of those horn parts, and then you know, working on the cues and and you know, following the dancers and cueing the band in and out and these kind of things, making sure tempos were, were right. Uh, so yeah, I love that environment and love being in that position. Uh, so yeah, so getting this opportunity uh, to be musical director for Great Gatsby is uh, blowing me away. Now, do you play a variety of horns? Uh, well, trumpet is my main instrument. Yeah. You know, I play flugelhorn. I really, really love playing the flugelhorn. Yeah. But being a brass player, you know, I, I could play a little bit of trombone, you know, a little bit of baritone. Tuba gets pretty challenging. Yeah. Uh, French, French horn a hair, but you I know, hear French horn is one of the hardest. Uh, Orchestral instruments. It, it is. It is. I mean, that, you, you know, trumpet is really challenging, but then French horn just takes it to another level. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so the choreography uh, right now is being choreographed to those uh, handful of pieces that were pre-selected. Okay. Um, and then the original stuff, I don't think there's going to be dancing to that. It's going to be more just uh, scenes scene changes, a little bit of dialogue going on over top, and just setting the mood for going into a scene and out of a scene. Right. Uh, so the choreography, I think, is pretty much uh, relegated to the, those pieces. Probably. Um, okay. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. Well, well this show gives me kind of the, the best of all worlds. It gives me an opportunity. Um, you know, so we, ha we have some selected tracks that, that are pre-selected that we have to you know, recreate. Okay. There's some really cool tracks, some cool horn lines, cool little solo spots. Okay. Uh, so that's fun. Um, but then also I have a lot of moments where I'm actually composing 
um, original music to some oh, of the interludes awesome. and segues and, and uh, some of the scenes and whatnot. Okay, I didn't um, realize you were writing original score. That's yeah, cool. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's really, really awesome. That's dope. It, it's it's kind of it's similar to so I've done I've had some um, film scoring opportunities uh, when I was living up in New York and I did some uh, independent films and it's kind of a similar process. You know, you got this spreadsheet of scenes and, mm-hmm. and like here's where we want music, here's where we just need dialogue. It's the same thing except this is all live and right. you know you, you can't take you know, four takes when you're performing for an audience, exactly. you got to get it right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But that, I mean, that can be part of the beauty of jazz though, right? I mean, the Oh yeah. So the art of be, recovery. <laughs> is there going to be any improvisation? In the? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Cool. You know, the universe is funny, man. It's like, as soon as you say, okay, I'm going on vacation for this week. All of a sudden the best gigs are offered to you at that week. Right. And then it's the same thing. Was with this, this your vacation killer? Well, no, no, no. It wasn't my vacation killer. No, what I'm saying is like I committed to doing this show for a whole month. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, like I got a call for like this gig in New York City for 2500 bucks. Fly up, do the gig, fly back the next day. I got a call to play for Augusta National during the Masters. I got a call. Whoa. I mean, I was getting all these calls and I'm going... I'm I'm committed to the Great Gatsby. That talent trust you know? is baby. I'm taking my talents to trust yeah, is baby. Man. <laughs> so the universe likes to mess with you to like test your commitment, you know? Yeah. So it's so like I'm down for it though, man, because I, I believe man, I believe in trust this theater. I yeah. can I cuss on this show? No. No, okay, because I'm a pirate. I like to cuss. I freaking believe in trust this theater. <laughs> And I love uh, Chad Henderson's productions. What he has done since he's, he's come on board has just been brilliant. Every show I come to blows me away. I, I, I think I'm just coming to some community theater. And then, like, the past couple of times I've come, I, I've, 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 I've cried. I've laughed. I mean, I've walked out of here just going, dang, it's just incredible. So, yeah, I'm, I'm more than down for the cross, and I'm happy that I committed to the whole month and committed to this project. And and I'm happy I'm you know turning down those other gigs is you know this it's going to be real in here come the month of April. And we're back again and again another great interview with uh, Mark Rapp. Uh, you do such great interviews, Bakari. Those are Thank terrific. You. Thank you so <laughs> so very much. This podcast, again, has been terrific. Um, you know, I want to say thank you to all all of our fans that are listening to it. Yeah. And, and to make sure that everybody comes to Trust Us Theater and sees this show, which, again, opens uh, it, Friday, April 5th, and yeah. runs through the 27th of April. Yeah, and tickets are available online 24-7 at trustus.org. And you can also stop by our box office on Monday through Thursday from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. Yeah, or you can call them, 803-254-9732, and talk to our box office manager, Patrick Kelly, or any of our wonderful, friendly box office folks that uh, will take your reservation over the phone. Also, get your tickets, like, super fast, because I'm pretty sure the show is going to sell out. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, It's going to be a great opening weekend, and then once people see it and the word goes out, and they know that this is such a cool, hip, modern version of The Great Gatsby, they're going to tell their friends and it's going to be sell- selling out really quick. So Everybody get your tickets up. really <laughs> soon. Absolutely. And uh, next time I think we get together, what's our next show? Our next show is Sweat. Ooh, Pulitzer Prize winning Sweat. Yeah. Written sweat. by Lynn Nottage. 
Sweat, and, and they've already started, uh, you know, getting into the rehearsal process there, and Sweat will be running from May 17th through June 1st. Uh, so and that's, that's coming up by, soon. Uh, Aaron Wilson, right? Yes, Aaron Wilson uh, is coming back from Charleston. She's a company member at Pure Theater in Charleston. Which is a lovely place. It's a terrific, terrific theater. She directed uh, a show here last year in the spring um, and is... Uh, uh, well, actually, kind of the late winter, I guess, February-ish of last year. And so we're really excited to have her back again this year directing Sweat. She actually performed in Sweat at Pure Theater. Oh, really? And is coming here to direct the show. So we're really excited about that. It's going to be great. Uh, Brad, always good to talk to you. Bakari, it's always great to talk to you. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining us on the Trust Us Podcast. Great Gatsby is sponsored by Intramed Plus. Intramed Plus is a highly respected South Carolina pharmacy specializing in providing intravenous infusion services at home, ambulatory infusion suite, and or in a physician's office. They provide an alternative to extended hospital care for medically stable patients requiring intravenous or nutrition therapy. For more information on Intramed Plus, you can go to www.intramedplus.com.